Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. You got both Bourbon Boys here this week. Uh, Tyler Johnson, what's up? Hey, man. It's been too long. Glad to be back. Um, and this week we're going to have a tables turned episode where Tyler is going to run the podcast and I am going to answer his questions. He's going to ask me. He's got a set of 13 questions, I think he said. Uh, we're going to try to get to all of them and hopefully you all find something interesting in it. So, Tyler, take it away. Well, wait a minute. I thought we were. This was a, a turntables episode. So I saved up. Um, I got my uh, my DJ turntables out. I thought that's what we were doing. No, unfortunately not. Well, hopefully somebody laughed at that. <laughs> um, yeah, awesome, man. I'm. Um, you know, good to be back on here, man. It's been a couple episodes that I've missed out on. Um, you know, um, sitting down right now, I'm having a uh, mythical beast in your honor. Uh, and having a uh, strawberry creamsicle here, so um, I thought that would be appropriate for me to take over and have a uh, a classic pour in front of me here. Um, yeah, I guess uh, to start things off, I'll kind of uh, open things up with the Beast. Uh, we just released the Beast uh, this past weekend. Um, it was quite a success, and uh, there's been kind of a lot of talk about it, so I've, we touched just a few subjects on that. Um, also, in addition to that, man, uh, you know, uh, last week was kind of a rough week for you. I kind of want to give a shout out to you and your son and everything you guys have been through. Uh, me being a father, that kind of stuff is, is absolutely terrifying for a parent. Uh, we definitely missed you at the WBSC roundup. Uh, we had a really good time, but I uh, I had a Meters 25 pour just for you. So, uh, you know, shout out to everything you're going through, and uh, I feel terrible for you, man, but you're, uh, you're handling it like a champion. Um, let's, let's see here. Uh, yeah, so let's get right into the, uh, to the, some topics on the beast here. Um, um, what, uh, as far as everything that kind of the process that we went through and everything that was involved with it, um, just starting off, what, what was your favorite part of it all? Well, this being my third or fourth fourth uh, foray with Bourbon Thirty and doing various blends, my favorite part's always picking the barrels. Guys tasting through barrels, seeing what guys like, talking over what they like about things, what they don't like about things. Um, and basically just hanging out at Bourbon 30 because that's always fun anyway. Um, that's, I mean, yeah, that's that, I mean, that, pretty that, easily that my favorite thing. part of it. I mean, the blending and all that jazz is, is, is cool, but I mean, to a certain extent, it's more or less uh, throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. When it comes to blending, I mean, you have an idea of what you want, but you got to just play with it until you get exactly the, the proportions you need to get the flavor. Well, I think it, I think it's kind of shown that you guys um, maybe throw a shot at the wall, but uh, something good turned out of it. So commend you on that. But yeah, to kind of furthermore on what you were saying, yeah, that first day, uh, they had a lot of a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the guys and. I was together that we love so much so that that was probably uh super fun for me as well but uh you and andrew kind of worked some magic that second day there and kind of brought all of it to fruition and um you know for the most part it's turned out excellent so that's uh that's been fun and a help weekend a lot of talk about it well i'd say the thing that really surprises most people when they come to bourbon 30 is just the how good some of the barrels are there i mean he he crafts bourbon so he has some barrels that are younger and I'm sure he would admit to that too. He's 
crafting them to make them better, adding staves or changing barrels or what have you. Um, but just the immense amount of whiskey that he has there to taste through, and he lets you taste everything. He lets you basically have the run of the house to figure out what you want is is pretty unusual, and it's and it's something that's really since it's unusual, it's fun to do. And if you have a group of guys that have never been there, never been on a barrel pick, or never been there specifically, it just their eyes are wide open because they're not used to having that kind of knowledge. Yeah, it's quite an experience for sure. We've talked about that on here before. It's uh, it's unlike uh, any other experience. Perfect freelance, yeah, you know. You know, he kind of gives you a synopsis of uh, how he does things and how it works, and then he just sets you free. You know what I mean? Hopper and you just get to work. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, Are you going to ask me what the worst part about it is? Uh, I, I think I know that. I think I know you well enough to know what some of the hell that you went through with it. Um, but sure, why not? Yeah, talk about some of the things um, that, that really. Uh, bothered you about this to me the the hard parts well nothing i mean hard parts for me for this one were pretty minimal julie and ricky took care of most of the the stuff that would have annoyed me or the stuff that i would have had to take care of if i was in town the stuff that's really the worst for pretty much every release i've been involved in is the aftermath after the release it's people want to it's the bourbon culture is such a troll talk shit uh, just to get under your skin culture to a certain extent. I mean, you got a ton of great dudes, but they're just guys that specifically are out to fuck, to fuck with you. Sorry to use that language if there's kids in the room. To mess with you. They want to get under your skin, and they want to bring you down because you're doing something different. You're doing something that somebody else hasn't done. And I've had Ed Bly on here a couple times, and somebody posted that I was trying to be like Ed Bly. I am not trying to be like Ed Bly. Ed is his own man. He has his own palate, and he does a fantastic job at what he does. I am trying to be Chad Huffman, and I'm trying to forge my own path in doing stuff in bourbon between barrel picks and blends. And I could see where the comparison comes in because I have been with him on a lot of stuff, and now I'm doing my own thing with this, and it's still the same distillery, so... Maybe I'm trying to be like him. That's not the case. And it's just, that's the kind of thing that gets under my skin because to a certain extent I am uh, sensitive when it comes to people talking shit about stuff that I put a lot of work into. And it really, that it gets under my skin to a certain extent, but in the most part it doesn't because I won't allow it because I know what they're doing. But I just, the, the aftermath of every release has been a, a pain in the ass. But, uh, Baldy won. Everybody trashing it. It was at first, and then it got accolades after Brett Atlas, I think, did a, a thing on it. And then other some other website gave it Whiskey of the Year, and then after that, it was like, oh. And then Baldy two, everybody will compare it to Baldy one. It's not as good as Baldy one. Some people didn't think it was as good as Baldy one. Some people think it's excuse me better. Some people didn't like the wax. Some people didn't like this that. It's like, dude, it's whiskey. Drink the shit if you like it. Don't drink it if you don't like it. Sell it if you need the money. Who gives a shit? 
Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. That's my two cents. Yeah, I know too many people who've gotten as much slack or as, as, you know, people giving you as hard time as you have. You've kind of had a run of the mill with, with some of it, man, but you just got to keep pushing through. Um, I mean, I don't have to, I don't have to tell you anything. You've got tougher skin than I do. So, um, we'll just move along on that. Um, I like how you, you found a way to ask yourself your own question. Um, let's see here. Always do. Um, so yeah, I mean, as far as, um, as this goes, this is kind of a two part question as far as kind of what we're talking about with with the picks that we've both done and what you've done with uh, add on your own and, and all that. I mean, what what do you see um, in the future for for mythical? Um, I know it's hard to think about that right now because of everything you know we've been through uh, with this release and all the work that it kind of took that went into it. Um, but do you have do you have any ideas for for something down the road for mythical? Well, I uh, I was trying to get a bomb pick, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen because they're out of what I wanted to get and they're. Probably what would be next for Mythical, if I had to guess, would probably be another Bourbon 30 product of some sort, either a single barrel or a blend. I know there's in the works for doing another a Beast, possibly. Um, and who knows if we do one just Mythical or we just do one that's bluegrass, who knows. But that's pr- probably the most likely thing. I would love to do uh, a Bone Snapper or something similar. MVP rye or bourbon pick. I think that would be awesome because that's sort of my for, uh, forte is MVP anyway. Um, obviously, any of the big boys, but I, I can't really get on that because I don't have an in with any store owners anymore to be able to get a Weller or one of those. Um, I do. I'm down to do pretty much any barrel pick. I just like picking barrels. Only thing that's a bitch is having to ship them out afterwards. Yeah, there's a lot of processes they can go into it, especially when you're uh, putting your own blend together and putting, you know, 50, 55 plus bottles or whatever for your group together. And yeah, I don't even want to know how big of a headache that's been. And that was the second part of that question too: was do you see something coming soon um, with with Bourbon Thirty? So you kind of already answered that, but I mean, it's it's you know, seeing uh, Jeff uh, this past weekend, he really has kind of a, a soft spot for us, man. He's just a really really cool guy. He's fun to work with, and uh, I mean, I, I would imagine we probably, you and all of us will probably have something else coming out with him um, relatively soon because uh, he's just he's just a fun guy. We, 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 I know we all really like him. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's somebody I've been supporting for a while um, as far as people I've told. I, I mean, even people that ask me where to go when they come into Kentucky, I'm like, Reverend 30, you got to check it out because it's, um, and they have a, a heck of a, a process down there, um, and a setup is is, is unique to its own. Um, but they would that would probably be the next thing, and I I'm looking forward to what we can do next. I mean, there's so many ways we can take it. All we have to do is you know get this first one out of the way, and then move on to the next. Absolutely, man. Um, right, so we'll kind of, I'll kind of ask one more question about, um, you know, our, 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 our category that we're in right now, which is, we're kind of talking about bluegrass beast a little bit and, uh, and some of the, you know, barrel picking that went into it and, um, 
planning that went into it. Uh, I, I know, I know you're, and uh, you would never ever claim to be a uh, a really really great blender or master blender of any sorts. You know, we've we've got a long way to go, but you've done pretty well for yourself in a short time. Um, do you have any super like simple and just basic tips for somebody who might be? You know, think about people who have seen what that has done, and and now the beast uh, or bald monk. Somebody probably might want to go try to put their own blend together. Um, do you have any like super, you know, ger generic, you know, first level uh, tips for uh, blending? Of course, I tell everybody uh, when you're picking the barrels, which I think is probably the most important part. Kind of like I said earlier, is you want to find barrels because most times you're not going to find a single barrel that's going to blow your mind. I mean, he does have some there that are really good depending on the size, you really need to know what size of a bottle output you want to begin with, because then that's going to tell you whether you need a single barrel or you need a blend and how much blend you need, how much liquid you need. It, that's basic number one is know how many bottles you need. Basic number two is when selecting barrels, you want to find something in each barrel that makes it good or unique. Uh, and most Times when you're talking about bur bourbon, you're talking about the start of a bourbon on the tip of your tongue, your lips, your mid palate, and then the finish are the three things that you look for the most. So you want to find each barrel to have something specifically good about it amongst those three. If you can find one that has all three, awesome. You can use that in a blend. Um, maybe use the most of that in a blend. That'll even everything else up. You want to find something that's got a really cool beginning and a really cool ending. It's sort of like a book. You want a good start to get them hooked. You want a good middle to keep them in. And then you want an ending that's going to hammer it home. So when you get that, you find those barrels. And then it's a matter of getting the right blend together. You blend different portions of it and taste it, see what other people think. I mean, you're not the only person that's going to drink it. So don't just blend it for yourself. Have a group of people there that can taste and when you're doing blends in my humble opinion and my what i've been there the few times i've been there and done it i think it's best to have two one two three people doing the blends and then have people there to taste them because when you get seven guys that just picked went through 20 barrels and seven guys are trying to make blends it tends to a, blow your palate out, and B, it tends to be overwhelming and nobody really gets it. So that would be my basics. Oh, it really wasn't basic. No, no, I mean, uh, I would imagine that there's, um, could go a long way with somebody who was, who was walking into to Bourbon 30 to do their own blend. Um, no doubt. Um, now there was something I was going to snap back on that you said. Um, oh, yeah, about picking, picking to, for, for the group or picking for, you know, not just your own palate. I think Ben Pickett was one of the first people I heard say that a couple of years ago and when I first met him. And um, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, sometimes, you know, something like the beast that we're trying to possibly put together on maybe what we like, you know, could be a lot different from, you know, picking for, you know, a completely different group who's looking for a completely different path. Although I think each experience is kind of different in that sense. I think you're exactly right with that. Well, I'll be on, I'll be honest. Uh, the blend we ended up with, Bluegrass Beast, probably wasn't my favorite that we did that day, but it was everybody's favorite. 
I, I have a different type of palette. But I try to, when I'm blending, I try to blend it to make it palatable for everybody, not just for me. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, this, been, this has been quite the hit so far, man. So I just hope that, you know, things keep going well with it. I enjoyed it a lot, you know, this past weekend. We were blessed enough to to sit down, you know, we had probably me and Paul. Paul and I had about... 25 minutes just to sit down with Freddie Johnson alone and kind of give him a, a pour of it and kind of watch him play with it and and just he just, he just it was it was I've, I've, it was cool man I don't really I'm not drank whiskey with too many guys that were as knowledgeable and and just as cool with it as he was man but it was cool to see that he really really enjoyed it and he talked about all the different complexities that it has and um it, it was neat it was neat so yeah it's it's been a good start we'll see. Uh, Hopefully we can put something else together down the road as well. Um, okay, let's move to an, uh, maybe another set of questions. I've got some stuff on here that are from some people in some of the groups, and then a couple of them are from me. Um, so, yeah, let's jump right into them. Um, let's see. This question is from um, Troy Mansusi. I hope I said that right. Mancusi, hmm. something along those lines. Uh, it said, where do you see this bourbon industry in the next two years? Where do you see it going? Where, where do you see uh, all the different avenues of it as far as, you know, picking barrels or, or just the, the whole secondary market or, you know, just in any aspect of, of it that you might uh, have an opinion on? I think I've, I've probably, I think we've discussed this probably in a previous episode. I think it depends. It really depends on where go with it. I really think at some point there's going to be a craft uh, bubble first because we got so many craft whiskeys out there right now and so many people trying to get uh, sourced whiskey. At some point there's going to be, there has to be a shortage of it, sourced whiskey. I know that the MGP is pumping shit out, but I don't know that they can keep up with the amount of craft distilleries that are starting up and everything like that. But that being said, it really depends on what the big distillers go with in the future. If they're going to move towards the Kentucky Owl type of situation where they're going to come out with a high price point to a premium whiskey, quote unquote, um, I think it's going to be trouble because I think a lot of them, especially places like uh, Whistle Pig, who keeps bringing out these uh, very expensive $500 bottles and coffins and I think that's not a sustainable practice. It's people are just at some point going to say, "I'm not paying five hundred dollars for a fifteen year old rye whiskey in a coffin." <laughs> as far as barrel picks, I think I I think you're pretty much going to see what you're seeing right now. Seventeen ninety two, I think, is doing a few different things with their barrel pick program and doing bottled and bonded, which I don't know that that's really that innovative. I mean, it's basically just another level of their small batch, single barrel, full proof. They're just adding 100 proof in there instead of a, somewhere between a single barrel and a full proof. Just calling it ball and bond makes it sound cooler. Um, other than that, I mean, it's just really tough to say because everybody keeps saying there's going to be a bubble burst in the industry. and it, it may at some point be a tipping point with people that aren't aren't enough people new coming into the industry to sustain the growth that these companies are doing million dollar billion dollar uh 
renovations and expansions. At some point, whiskey's going to have to hit its tipping point where they're producing more than they need, and then they'll have to cut back like they did before. I hope I answered your question. For sure, for sure. Uh, let's see. Next question is from... I guess we'll go a little bit here. Um, on this podcast here, this question is from me. Uh, who would be your dream guest to have on this podcast and why? That's a good question. I haven't really thought about that. Everybody I really wanted to have on, I've had on already with the guys from Smooth Ambler were awesome. Ed, a couple times. I had Brett on. Probably Marianne Barnes would have been nice to have. That probably would be a person I'd like to sit down and talk to. Um, we might have one of the members of the Beam family on at some point in the near future. That's going to be cool. Oh, my God. Fred No would be incredible. <laughs> I wish. I don't think that. I don't think he's doing interviews. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, some celebrity maybe, Steve Zahn or somebody would be pretty cool to talk to. I don't know if they're into bourbon, but it'd just be cool to talk to. Yeah, he's a Lexington guy too, I think, isn't he? Yeah, he's on KSR quite a bit. God, what was that movie with him and Jack Black with, where they were uh, uh, kidnapped a girlfriend? Saving Silverman. Oh my God, that movie is fucking classic. Yes, it is. Hilarious. Um, okay, we'll, we'll stay, on, uh, stay on track here. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think everybody wants, um, wants, uh, Mary Barnes from, uh, Kesson Key on, you know, because she's, uh, one of the most talked about people right now. So that's a good answer. Um, next question is for me again. Um, your dream pour that you've never been, a been able to try. So you all time, like something you just got in your head. You're like, man, I've always wanted to try that. I just never had the opportunity. I don't know if I'd really say that it's unfortunate or fortunate that I don't really have one that I've like been dying to have. Anything I've really wanted, I've kind of had or tried. Or I, I mean, Stitzel Weller is always nice, but I mean, I've had it. I had a bunch of stuff that Brad Bonds gave me, uh, a bunch of dusty stuff, so that's always interesting. I'm trying to think about maybe a special Smooth Ambler bottle that I... I I would really like to have the original uh, Smooth Ambler 14, the very old Scout 14, just because 14 is my favorite number, and I've always gravitated towards that number, and I've never had one of the 14s. I had an 11, but I didn't have a 14. I've always heard that the 14 is the best of that original brand. Uh, was that before the ones they released a couple years ago that were proofed down? Or yes. Which one are you talking about? The original very old Scout series was uh, 11, 14, and 19, and it was all uh, old Seagram. Oh, I think you were cutting out a little bit there. I didn't really hear you there. It was a ri the original series of Very Old Scouts was 11, 14, and 19. And they were all old Seagram's. Oh, I've heard about that 19 year. Yeah. And 19 is about two grand now. That's actually what I saw it listed for the other day. All right, cool. Let's get into the next question here. Got about four or five of them left. Um, this next one is from uh, a good buddy of ours. Mike went to Jamie, and so Naj asks, um, you know, going into the second year of this podcast, 
um, what, what do you uh, what do you what do you have in mind, or what do you where do you see it going? Um, just that, that general kind of category. I guess I would like to have uh, a few more guests that I'm not already familiar with. I mean, I was friends with Ed and friends with the guys from Team Gambler, so I find it and friends with Brett. So I find it a little more interesting to talk to people that I haven't been able to talk to before. Um, I've been talking with uh, Jay Henry and son up here, the, uh, the local distiller, um, and Driftless Glen, and I've been talking to the Blonde Brothers about possibly doing a podcast with them. I'd like to do more live face-to-face podcasts just because it the audio quality is better and and then you get to see people face-to-face um so yeah i, I guess that would be what i would what i would like to see going into the second year maybe maybe get a little more far-reaching and get a few more listeners and we'll see All right that's that's a good answer man um, okay, now we got a question from Jake Berger, your dear friend. Um, had both of both of y'all were originally from Kentucky, spent a lot of time in Kentucky. So his question is: Having come from Kentucky up to the Milwaukee area, what is the worst part about bourbon up there? So you may have kind of touched this at least once or twice, but uh, I figure we can elaborate it again. I guess the worst part is missing out on the Kentucky-only releases, um, your Four Roses releases, that are distributed nationwide to a certain extent, but they had those main releases at Four Roses or, or at Liquor Barn or those camp-out releases. I haven't really... Since I moved up here, I haven't had a chance to go just sit out and wait for a bottle. Um, so I guess that's what the... They they get a certain amount of allotted uh, product up here. Uh, probably more... You see more E.H. Taylor single barrel stuff up here. E.H. Taylor stuff, pretty much, period. Quite a few store picks. I mean, normally that's, that's what I gravitate towards anyway, is store picks, because I think amount of bottles available and you just you have a better chance of getting something really cool with a store pick. The people that are into the bourbon industry or fans of bourbon are pretty similar to Kentucky to Wisconsin. They all are very ferocious in their love for bourbon. <laughs> oh goodness. That seems to be that seems to be um, the norm for the entire continent. Although a lot of the Chicago peoples tend to be, uh, I hope none of them are listening, but some of them probably are a little stuck up. Well, the bigger city. That's my opinion. All right, cool. This is one of my favorite questions coming up right here. Um, so, um, not to toot our own horn, but we have had quite the 2018 as far as uh, releases and picks. Um, so throwing out the beast because I have a feeling that beast would probably be your favorite just because you had the chance to uh, to blend it as far as pick barrels as well. So throwing out bluegrass beast, what is what you're most proud of or your favorite um, pick pick release that we've we've done this year? 
you know, um, as far as you know, how, how much clout the bottle might have gotten or just how tasty the juice was. Or, I mean, even maybe just the full experience of uh, the barrel picking process of all of us being together and, and how it bottled and, or the release or just, just in general. What's your, what's your favorite of the year besides the beef? I would say my favorite of the juice, the liquid inside, would probably be uh, Ricky Bobby or Early Bird. Uh, my favorite experience was the Wild Turkey Memorial Day pick just because it was. Yeah, that was awesome. It wasn't just you have this set of samples to pick from and you, this is it. It was like you just keep drinking until you find something you want. It was really cool meeting Brett. And, and it was nice being there with everybody all day long, so that was fun. So if we're, if we're throwing out Bluegrass Beast, those would probably be my, my two favorites. Probably Ricky Bobby for the, the liquid inside, moreover than the early bird, but I, that would be a close second. And then Memorial Day is excellent as well. It's just wild turkey is not really my thing to a certain extent, most for the most part, but um, I can definitely appreciate it. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. We had you and I had a lot of fun after the uh, Ricky Bobby and Early Bird pick too. If you remember that, uh, <laughs> we went and had some backroom shenanigans and went down and harassed some waitresses. Or well, I did. Uh, oh, I remember. Harassing. The fact that you remember it is surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still remember chugging shooters of uh, sample bottles of bourbon and tossing them into the Ohio River. That's not my proudest moment, but that was uh, that was a fun day, man. Yeah, we, we, we picked some really good barrels. We didn't have much to choose from, so I think we were just blessed that, um, that they really rolled out some good barrels for us. Um, I know they, they really like Jack up there, um, and I think they're really starting to kind of fall for all of us, man. We, we really like the new Rift people, and they treat us really good. Um, that was that was pretty special, man. That the uh, Ricky Bobby turned out really good. But we've, we've this has been a really good year for us. It's been really uh, a lot of fun, man. I'll, I'll never forget it for sure. Some picks are just the luck of the draw, and they they roll out a certain amount of barrels, and you get to pick from them, and it's easy. It's not easy, but it's easier if they narrow it down. It's easier in the fact that it makes your choices narrowed. It's tougher if they roll out something that's not good and you have to say, no, sir. Yeah. Okay, so this is kind of a simple question. Um, so this does count, this counts the beast because um, because I have a feeling that uh, Smooth Ambler Mythical Beast is going to rival it, so... Of your four projects that you've done with Mythical, which one is your favorite? See, that would, that's, uh, <laughs> the original Smooth Ambler is always going to hold a special part of my heart just because of the people of Smooth Ambler and the experience of going there. Just being able to go through so much liquid to taste and figure out what you want. And then Bluegrass Beast, obviously, having my hands in it from start to finish to some point um, and being, you know, pretty much my baby since the beginning. And then Julie and Ricky took over. Um, <clears throat> so that, I guess I would go with mythical, the original smooth ambler, just because of how much history that is for me in starting the group. 
but it would, it's it's tough to pick between those two. I know, I know. That's specifically why I asked that question. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had I've been blessed to, to be able to drink both of those bottles. And, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, those are those are two classic pours. Uh, I'm glad that I own multiples of both. Um, you know, for a guy who, who catches a lot of heat, man. You've done pretty well for yourself in a short period of time, so uh, I'm proud of you. I'm proud to say that we're buddies. I won't. I won't break my arm patting myself on the back. It's it's been a lot of <clears throat> it's been a lot of who I know and people have involved me in things, and I've just been there to be able to give my opinion. Yeah, I look forward to kind of keeping it going, man. I can't. I, I, you know, let's just let's just keep it going. Down with that. I want to say, go ahead, go ahead. What were you saying? I was just saying, I'm down with keeping it going. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what we do. Uh, I have one more question, but we kind of already answered it, man. So that kind of really, um, it really kind of wraps us up for today. I don't know if you have anything for me or anything that you just want to uh, some closing notes. So, since you asked me about the beast, what was your favorite part about the beast, and what's your least favorite part about the beast? And that'll be the last question of the, uh, the podcast. Um, good. Uh, I mean, I'll have to mimic you, man. We really had a lot of fun that, uh, was it Thursday or Friday that we picked the barrels? Friday. Blended on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. So, uh, I, I wasn't, I think I had to work, um, when you guys really kind of put the final touches on everything, but I did a pretty good job of staying out of the, out of the blending process because I put so much effort and tried so many barrels when we were trying to just pick the barrels. I wouldn't have been any help. Uh, in that blending process, not to mention I'm a complete amateur in it anyway. Um, so I just kind of tried to focus a little bit more on, on that Friday and, and try to pick the best barrels that we possibly could. And I think we did a pretty good job of that. And and then, you know, um, it, that whole night in general was, was fantastic. So uh, I think we went over to local feed, didn't we? Went to, we went and saw Justin and then we went back to the Mongols. Like that night was legendary. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, standard for when you go to Bourbon 30, you got to go to local feed. Very, yes, yes, yes. Uh, a shameless plug there. That place is fantastic. And I love the guy. Justin is a, is, is a, is a price act. Uh, and I don't really have any negative things to say about it. You know, I didn't have to. I wasn't there on Saturday when a lot of some of the nitty gritty kind of went down. Um, I did help. Um, we we recork the beast um, right before it was finalized. Uh, we went with a different cork, which I think was a really good move. Like the cork that we went with a lot better. Um, so uh, a couple of us had to recork, you know, a couple hundred bottles, but that probably only took 20 minutes. So I, I won't say that that was something bad. Maybe the fact that um, the the beast is kind of catching some slack, or not catching some catching some heat, you know, just some people just, just giving you know giving it a hard time for what people are valuing it on in the second market, secondary market, and they're calling it shit juice without even trying it, or or just whatever they're saying. Um, it kind of sucks. Uh, but there's been a lot of people who come out and talk about how phenomenal it was, and some of them have really great palettes. Um, so, you know, you take the good with the bad. I didn't expect for, for everyone to love it. Uh, but, you know, one thing to, to kind of to say is, you know, we the the market is, is making the price on this. You know, we haven't bumped it up. We haven't done anything to, 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 to try to, um, you know, make our own value on it. It's, it's done it on its own. Um, people have really jumped on board with some of these with these uh, bourbon thirty blends that turned out really good and um, 
know, fucking awesome. great. That's a that's a great way to end the uh, question and answer portion of this podcast. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, I guess we'll close it out. And uh, Tyler, thanks for running the podcast this week. We love y'all. Thanks for listening. And uh, everybody, enjoy your pours and appreciate your family. Oh, yeah.